0: everyone Nicolette Riche here. I am your host of this show The Eat Real to Heal podcast. We have been hosting the show for over a year now and it is one of my greatest delights. It's really one of my greatest joys to be able to bring stories of healing to you, stories of science, stories of empowerment and more. And Before we begin, there's definitely somebody that I want to thank. There's actually two people I want to thank. And to begin, that is Marilyn Tremblay. She is one of our staff who helped us set up our Nutrition and Detox Wellness Center in Pemberton, British Columbia. And I gave her the task of figuring out how to start a podcast and then to start it. And Mary Lynn loves having her fingers in the soil. She loves getting the retreats ready for our guests when they come and making sure that their rooms are pristine and that there's little fresh cut flowers from the garden that she grew attached to their bags um, of gifts that they get, their books and their detox kit uh, when they arrive. And she has such an incredible knack for making people feel welcome and warm. And so when I gave her the task of starting this podcast over a year ago now, I know that her eyes, you know, grew to be, you know, the size of saucers. And, you know, she really didn't like working behind the computer, but she did it. And I just want to acknowledge her because I don't think that I have in any of our podcasts how hard it is to switch gears go from one entity you know where you have all these skills where your natural inclinations lie and then to be given a task where you actually have never done it before it's scary there's fear am i going to succeed am i going to fail am i going to let down my employer am i going to let down all the people who are listening to the podcast but i just have to acknowledge that she did such an incredible job learning all of the tech behind all of the systems that are necessary to launch a podcast, it's not easy. And she did all of that. So I just want to send out so much gratitude for uh, to Mary Lynn and for all her efforts in taking the bull by the horn, so to speak. I know on a podcast, it's all about health and wellness and plant-based eating. Maybe that's not the right analogy, but you know, it's one we all understand. She took the bull by the horns and she was able to really bring this podcast to life. She recruited guests. She organized all of the um, interviews. She did all of the editing and, and more. So big love out to Marilyn for just really facing your fears and doing it anyway. And for bringing the Eat Real to Heal show to life. And then the second person I want to thank is Becky Dalziel. And Becky is uh, an incredible human in so many of the same ways that Mary Lynn is, in the sense that, you know, she just decided one day on a whim to say, hey, can we videotape a course that I was teaching? And it literally was from her asking if she could just videotape it because she wanted to have. Uh, repository of information not there was no goal as to you know what we would do with the videos I don't even think we did anything with those first set of videos and then from that though it really gave me the idea that we should tape more things and that we should create a course and Becky did all of that so I want to thank Becky for Setting up her home and her kitchen, and while she was pregnant, she made sure that the lighting was great, that the sound was great. She did all the editing for our online course, and then right up until you know the very, very end moment, the 11th hour, when she then gave birth to her son, James, who she is raising in the most tremendous of ways. He's the most loveliest child, he's kind, he's generous, he's funny, and he eats. Loads of vegetables, all plant based whole food. And, you know, the values that she's passing on to her son are really remarkable. And after Becky was done her mat leave and Mary Lynn was, you know, busy working in our retreat center, we needed to find somebody else to take over the podcast. And that's when Becky jumped in. So she not only brought our Eat Real to Heal online course to life, which then turned into our Eat Real to Heal book, which is sold all over the world and has been a number one bestseller on Amazon, I think since it came out in multiple different categories of health and healing and cancer. It was really um, Becky's doing that got us to that stage too. And then now she's taken over the podcast and she's just bringing it to a whole new level. Um, she's picked up where Marilyn uh, left off and she's, you know, Um, gone in. She produces all the show notes now. She does all the research on the background, and it's just been really a delight working with Becky. So my gratitude and love goes out to Becky and to Mary Lynn, these two incredible women, for doing things that they had never done before, for stepping into their power, and for making a dream, a little tiny dream of mine, become a reality and doing it in such a beautiful and eloquent way. So just needed to start off with that. I also think showing gratitude is an important thing. We all know that we've heard it over and over and over again. I mean, Oprah um, almost in every single show, she had a segment on gratitude and why we need to be grateful. All of the self-help books that you've ever read out there all speak about how gratitude is one of the biggest contributors to your health and the health of others as well. And For this week's podcast, I want to also show some gratitude, which is going to be the topic of today's show, which is all about fighting the power. Now, you probably are wondering where that's coming from, but bear with me on this one because in the midst of everything with COVID, I didn't want to talk about COVID anymore. In our last podcast, I talked about um, what to do to boost your immune system uh, if to boost your immune system, not just for COVID, but also for all the future pandemics and viruses and bacteria and all those other things that are going to plague our systems in an unhealthy way versus a healthy way and it's important that you get ahead of it. So listen to that podcast to learn what you need to do to build resiliency in your body, to build your immune system, so that you are not going to be one of the people who are susceptible to the next pandemic, or even this one still, because it's not yet over. But we have a bigger pandemic, um, something bigger happening on the planet that is much bigger than this pandemic, and it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic of chronic disease, And that epidemic of chronic disease where the leading killers are 100% reversible diseases, heart disease, even cancer. Yes, many of my clients have reversed their cancer. Type 2 diabetes, even type 1 diabetes now we're discovering can be reversed. And even for people who have really, really, you know, shoddy pancreas um, where you know they don't have beta cells they can if they have even one functioning beta cell, they can regenerate and get their health back and reduce their meds even if you have type 1 diabetes. But these leading killers and now the autoimmune disorders, um, additional contributors to death and poor health and reduction of our longevity well, All of these things do not need to be. We do not need to be living with these. And this is the epidemic that we are living in right now that is greater than this current pandemic. It is bigger. It's been going on and really rising suddenly since the 80s particularly. And it's not going to end. So this pandemic will blow over, but this epidemic of chronic disease and mental health illness, it's not going to blow over. In fact, it's only going to get worse As it's coupled with the COVID pandemic. So let's get back to gratitude and empowerment, okay? All about fighting the power. So, this topic for this podcast came to me a few weeks ago when I was thinking about a story that I've told many times over. It's a funny story, Um, there wasn't a whole ton of meaning behind it, but as I'm taking writing courses right now during this COVID pandemic, uh, one of the, uh, one, the writer, Natalie Goldberg, I'm reading, I've been reading her books for years, um, Writing Down the Bones, Thunder and Lightning, um, Wild Mind, really brilliant books for teaching you how to be a writer or how to be a better writer. And one of the exercises that is in the book is to write a story that you've told a million times. And so I'm going to share that story with you. So back in 19, I think it was 1995, I was about 19 years old at the time, and I was going to university in Mississippi. I was playing down there. Um, I was on a tennis scholarship. And the year was over, and I needed a ride to to the airport so I can catch my flight from Jackson, Mississippi, back to Vancouver. And I asked one of my best friends in university, Really great guy. I'll call him Peter. Um, But I asked Peter and I said, Hey, could you drive me to the airport? And he said, 100% sure can. When do you need to go? And I told him the date. And he's like, Oh man, that's the night that Public Enemy is coming to Memphis and he had tickets to go. So he's like, Why don't we drive to Memphis and you can come to the show with me and then I'll drive you to the airport? And I was like, Okay that'll work. I really didn't know who public enemy was, but I had listened to a few of their songs. I mean, that this was back in the day when, you know, hip hop was really coming out. It was huge. And, um, and you know, public enemy was hip hop rap. Um, but it was kind of, it was heavy rap for me. It wasn't the light rap that I was used to. It was, um, it it had a heaviness to it which i only just recently came to understand what that was about so i have to you know really show so much gratitude right now i want to show so much gratitude to this experience because as i look back i realize that we all have moments in our life that we just completely overlook and we don't know the meaning behind them and it could be as simple as when a woman went up to Susanna Meadows and you can go back and listen to our two podcasts that we did with Susanna Meadows and said, Hey, you know what? Your son's really sick. Cut out the dairy, cut out the meat, switch to an organic diet. And she kind of went, yeah, right. I'm going to do what the doctor's saying. I'm going to take the meds. My son is my three-year-old son is really sick. And he had juvenile idiopathic arthritis all throughout his body. And it was devastating and this kid was in so much pain, And it wasn't until years a year later that she remembered what that woman had said and went back and actually implemented it. And so I'm curious for a lot of you out there, how many people have had a moment where you thought you understood it, and you either said, "Yep, that's not for me," or "No thanks," or whatever," or "You're crazy," and you know, and just moved on with your life. And then maybe later looked back and thought, oh my God, I could have saved myself so much heartache and so much pain, or I could have learned something from that situation um, that could have made me a better person. We all have situations like that in our life where we assume we know whatever that person is singing about, speaking about, um, we assume we know. And this was a situation for me and this concert that I went to in Memphis, Tennessee. So... Here we are at this concert, and you know, it's late, I'm exhausted, we just finished exams, and I had a crazy sinus infection. Because when I was in Mississippi, I used to get several sinus infections, which I never had before. And the doctors had explained that a lot of people in Mississippi get these sinus infections as a result of the glyphosate pesticides that are being sprayed all over their farmland. And this was my first insight into what glyphosate was, what Roundup was, this antibiotic slash pesticide. It's an antibiotic that's used as a pesticide that's sprayed all over our fields, all throughout North America. Um, and so, you know, so I the doctor had mentioned that I didn't really do a ton of research on it, but you know, fast forward, let's go back to the Public Enemy concert. So. Here I am and I'm sick and I'm standing in the very back because it's so loud and, you know, there's so many people and they're all jumping and they're, you know, dancing and they're singing every word because these are hardcore Public Enemy fans. Um, and for those of you who don't know who Public Enemy is, they're a, sta- a band that was started by Flavor Flav and Chuck D and a hip hop rap um You know, group that started in 1985, who are still around today. They're still out there touring all over the world um, and they have a really good, solid following. And so I'm standing at the back. I'm sure snot is dripping down my face. I am like not feeling well. My head feels like it's in a vice. And then all of a sudden, my friend Peter grabs me and starts pushing me to the front of the room. And I'm like, What are you doing? And he's like, Nick. Flavor Flav is calling you up. And then at that moment, a wet, heavy t-shirt comes flying from the stage. The t-shirt that Flavor Flav had taken off his back and he was throwing it to me and the crowd's going wild. And they're like, go on the stage, go on the stage. And I'm like, what is happening? Because number one, i don't know anything about public enemy so i'm not really a fan so i'm not really appreciating the fact that i'm getting hit upside the you know side of my head with a sweaty t-shirt from a band member the lead you know band member and so i grab the t-shirt and i look over at peter and he's such a raving fan that i'm like babe you've got to take this t-shirt it's yours so i give it to him and then all of a sudden i'm being picked up and i'm being carried to the front Of the room, and then I'm being hoisted up on the stage by Flavor Flav. He says a few words for me in the middle of, you know, singing one of his songs. And I, and he and he sends me backstage. He's like, You're gonna watch the show from right here. So I'm on stage just off to the side for the rest of the show, thinking this is crazy. I don't even know what's happening. And then of course they played their signature song called Fight the Power, which was one of their, you know, biggest hits. It was in the charts. I think it's still named like one of the top songs of the century, not just, you know, of the decade or of the year, but it's a really, um, it's a song that really shook up the world in a lot of ways. And so I didn't know anything about the song. I didn't know anything about the band. And so then After the show, Flavor Flav comes and he, you know, helps me. We go around backstage um, and I'm like, I got to get back to my friend. He's waiting for me. He's like, no, 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 no. And and then he proceeds to, to actually you know, try and ask me out and ask for my number, wants to take me to the airport himself and his limo wants to, um, you know, say, I like, you know, I really want to, everything just wants to get to know me. And I'm like, I don't want to get to know you because I really didn't know anything about this group and about this band. And it wasn't my kind of music at that time. I can't even remember what I was listening to, but it was definitely not Public Enemy. So That was the end of that story. Made it to the airport that night. Peter drove me and I got home safely, healed from my sinus infection when I got back home from all the clean, real whole foods that you know my mom would prepare for me. And I returned to Mississippi um, a few months later for the next year of school. So as I was writing the story for my writing exercise, I thought, you know, I should do a little bit of research. And I started to look up who Public Enemy was and I started to look up what the song was Fight the Power and what I learned was that Public Enemy was a group that came together to really stand up against black african american violence and racism and at the time I didn't know that I thought they were just a crazy dark hip hop rap band I didn't know you know I'm probably not even saying that right um And I overlooked the fact that there was probably a lot that I could have learned. I'm sure Public Enemy's music has been studied in universities across the nation and across the world, especially in Germany. It seems a lot of Germans love Public Enemy. And you know I just overlooked it and assumed it meant something else. So again, how many times has somebody said something to you and you just close your ears, you close your mind down to it, and you assume something else about that message that they are giving you and this happens to me all the time when i teach people what you know eat real to heal is all about there's people like the very first things that they say is like well this can't be true no it's not possible how can vegetables heal heal the body but there's not enough protein um but i need my fat uh, but we need meat, like so many different things that immediately pop into your brain when somebody tells you something that it shuts you down from learning more. So for the theme of this podcast, it's you know gratitude and it's owning your power. It's fighting the power. And what Public Enemy Song meant, it wasn't the fight against authority. It was actually the fight against the abuse of power. That's what that song is all about, fighting against the abuse of power. And in each and every one of us, we all have power, especially if you are a Caucasian male. You have more power than anybody else on the planet. And how do you abuse your power? But even if you are a Caucasian female, or an African American female, African American male, Chinese, Lebanese, uh, Portuguese. It doesn't matter what race or religion you are. Within every race or religion or society or community or family entity or any type of group gathering, there is always someone who has more power than others. And how they wield that power is the question that we... It's the it's the piece of the puzzle that we all need to stand up against, just like public enemy stood up for what they believed in, which was fighting against African-American black abuse and racism and violence and standing up for fighting against the abuse of power. So I ask you, As we go through this COVID pandemic, as we go through this chronic disease and mental health illness epidemic, what is it that you stand for? What is the power that you hold and how can you use that power in whatever capacity for good? How can you do that? How can you start a revolution? How can you start a movement today? Right now, while you're in self isolation, while you are in COVID self distancing, um, who, and who knows how long this is going to last for. But I've talked about this before. We're in a place right now where you can choose to watch Netflix. You can choose to read romance novels. I mean, it's fun to do so. Um, you can choose to, you know, while away your days cooking foods that are not healthy. Or you can use your power because each and every one of us has power in us that we can stand up for something that we absolutely believe in. Now, So much gratitude goes out to Public Enemy for every single thing that they did. And huge apologies goes out to Flavor Flav, despite the craziness of his life and the crimes he's committed and everything. But real true apologies go out for me judging that band, judging their music, and not taking the time to get to know what they stood for. And in fact, all of these years of telling the story of how Flavor Flav asked me out. Wanted to take me out, wanted to drive me to the airport, gave me five of his phone numbers, um, all of that. I never told the story from this place of empowerment. I always told the story from a place that I had power over them because I was better than them because I didn't know what they stood for. And so that is something I have to apologize for. And also, so much gratitude for standing up for what they believed in. So, This brings me to our 22 million campaign. And this is something that I stand for. This is something that food is medicine and the fact that we need to teach physicians to stop abusing their power. Okay. This 22 million campaign is truly about the fight, about fighting the power and it's the abuse of power. And a lot of people go to doctors because they have the education and the training to be able to fix them, not heal them they have the ability to fix them. So what I mean by that is if they have a broken bone, they can fix the bone back in place. They can put screws and plates and a cast and whatever else it needs, but your body does the ultimate healing. It's your body that has the power to knit together the bones to be able to then develop a strong bone once again so that you can have the screws and the plates and the cast removed and you can still function sometimes even better than before. So it's your body that does the healing. So as a society, as a family member, as an individual, we have to fight the abuse of power within the medical system because there is a lot of it. And it's been happening for a long time, but it wasn't always like that. And in fact, any medical student who goes into medical school, most of the time from the stories that I've learned, they're going into medical school because they want to help people. But then they get trapped in the, the cycles of powers that be within the medical system. And that comes from the pharmaceutical industry. That comes from the poor research systems and um, scientific methods that are in place that don't produce unbiased research and which ends up leaving you with drugs that do more harm than do good. And as we go through this COVID pandemic, this is what I am afraid of, is that as a society we will start to rely so deeply even more than ever before on the medical powers that be that say that they can fix us of this virus and you know through all the vaccines that they're going to develop and whether they make that mandatory or not but and i'm not here to debate the covid vaccine at all. Um, I have to do more research. I need to understand what's happening Um, much more. I know that the scientists that I know who are working on developing the vaccine, that they have their apprehensions as well. And it's why it takes so long to develop a vaccine, especially one that you may mandate the entire world that they have to get it because of the fact that there is no human-made medicine out there on the planet that doesn't also do harm. And in fact, many of those medicines do more harm than good. But yes, a lot of them can do good as well. But we don't want to abuse the powers of um, that exist within the medical system and pharmaceutical system um, when it comes to these vaccines or any other medications. So, as we go through this COVID pandemic, there's going to be a rise in mental health illness if it hasn't happened already, because humans need collaboration, they need connection, they need touch, they need Um, to be together. Humans are not supposed to be isolated. They're supposed to be together. And in states of isolation, that's when all of our hormone levels actually go out of whack. Our serotonin and dopamine levels drop. Our cortisol levels rise. Our adrenaline can rise. We feel um, distance. Our brain starts to loop. And we also don't often make healthy decisions for ourselves. It's much easier to make healthy decisions in a group context with other people who are making healthy decisions. To try and do it on your own is difficult. So as we have people eating their way through this epidemic, as we have people who are fearful and afraid, what's going to happen when this epidemic or a pandemic lifts is... Um, we're going to definitely see that there are people who fell through the cracks, people who slipped through and we weren't able to support them and help them because they didn't have the connection that they needed where we could have noticed those signs. And that for me is what this 22 million campaign is all about. So people will have slipped through the cracks and If they had been in a social situation, we would have seen the signs, we could have noticed it, we could have just even prevented it simply by being connected to our colleagues and family members and friends and neighbors and everybody around us. Whereas now we're gonna have people slipping through the cracks um, and and no one is gonna notice because they're on their own in their home and they're isolated from the people that can support them and give them the resources That they need. And those resources are simple. It's often a hug. It's often just good food. It's camaraderie. It's storytelling. It's companionship. It's very, very simple. And we know from the Blue Zones book that community is just as important as the diet that you eat. So in this moment of self-isolation, I want you to think about the people that are out there that need you to pick up the phone and call them that need to see a text right now, that need to hear from you and have you just say, hey, you know what? I love you. I appreciate you. I miss you. How are you doing? What do you need right now? What can I help you with even while we are self-isolating? So what I stand for is teaching physicians that food is medicine so they don't any longer abuse their power as a physician. And abusing their power means when they don't take the time to listen to you, to listen to what your health issues are, to understand your medical history, and then to be able to appropriately diagnose you and appropriately treat you. Treating you with just medications, that's an abuse of power. Because they have the ability to write a script, a prescription for you, If they do that within the context of, well, I just diagnosed you, I know what the treatment is, it's a drug for that illness, well, that's an abuse of power. In the field of narrative medicine, which is a field that I'm getting to understand more, I have a wonderful friend, Melissa DeRue, who's doing her master's in narrative medicine right now, which is where I came to learn about this, but it's a new form of medicine where we have to learn the stories of those people around us, and of our patients, and of our clients, and it's their illness in the context of their life story that is what is important, because from there it will also tell you what is the best treatment path for them. And in a lot of cases, it's not drugs. And in a lot of cases, it's going to be things like um, companionship, family, connection, good food, um, you know, quitting a job that they don't like, and so forth. So physicians out there, as we train them through our 22 million campaign, as we train them at our nutrition and detox wellness center through our physicians training courses, this is the the message that I stand up for. And it is that we can help people overcome this epidemic of chronic disease, heart disease, diabetes, infertility, autoimmune disorders, um, diabetes, I think I said, and we can help physicians learn about food as medicine, learn about narrative medicine so that they can support their patients and empower their patients to find the treatment option that is best for them. This is the future of medicine and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And as I mentioned, when it comes to narrative medicine and understanding the story of the human, it's the same thing as You know, when I attended that Public Enemy concert without understanding anything about the band, my experience at that concert would have been fundamentally different. It didn't mean that I would have to like their music or would change that, but I might have had an appreciation for it. I might have listened to the lyrics in their songs more. And if I had, I actually would have been able to extract the fact that they were standing up for the end of violence in African-American communities. And the end of violence and end of racism actually in all communities around the world, not just African-American communities. I would have heard that if I had applied the concepts of narrative medicine to that that, um, something as maybe benign is going to a concert with a friend before hitting the road to get to the airport. So our 22 million campaign is also about educating youth because humans adult humans have power over children and we abuse that power all of the time as a parent when we say well i know better than you and you need to eat this that is an abuse of power because if we haven't taken the time to understand what is good for our children Ultimately, what is good for all human beings, and we're feeding them foods that are refined and processed and fake and dyed and colored and preserved and salted and you know, just predominantly made of refined flour, refined sugar, refined oils, and refined salts. That is an abuse of your power as a parent. And so, I want to know as a parent, how do you shift that? How do you transition that and how do you step into a place where you get to stand up for what you believe in and you get to apply that in your family and with your children without abusing your power? Because one of the things that we believe in our society is that knowledge is power. We've been raised in North America to think that if you have an education and if you study and if you have degrees, then you are more powerful than somebody who doesn't. And, In a writing exercise um, that I another writing exercise that I did, I had to write about a story that was really hard for me to tell. And the first thought that came to me was um, my experience leaving Africa when I was four years old, when my mom decided that we would move, my mom and I would move from Malawi, Africa, all the way to East Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And I was four years old and or just even actually three years old. And I had to leave everything that I knew behind, my culture, my language, clean, real, fresh-picked produce every day from the field that went into my belly. So I had to leave the tastes and the nutrients behind. I had to leave the love of my grandmother behind. And I have no idea what that did to me. I know that as I started writing, um, it made me very emotional. And I thought that was the path was my, that my story was going to take. But then my story as I was doing this writing exercise brought me to the fact that I actually have three grandmothers and my three grandmothers are the grandmother that my adopted grandmother who, you know, she really wasn't much of a grandmother. She was, you know, Quite an evil woman from the outside, which I've later learned is a self-defense mechanism and you know she's a product of her upbringing. She's a product of the abuse of power that was in her household, um, which then she was able to use on the her three boys, one of which is my stepdad or I call him my dad because he raised me since I was three. Then my other grandmother is my biological grandmother, who I got to meet when I was 24 or 25 in Austria. And I got to meet her just before she died. And what this story through this creative writing exercise, what it actually how it ended, was the fact that I have three grandmothers, all who have died now. But ironically, the one grandmother that I had who I had the most love for, even though I had spent the least amount of time with her. Uh, almost the least amount of time with her is my grandmother from Africa. She had the least amount of money. She had, she worked the hardest um, out of all my grandmothers. She grew her own food and had to eat it. And when there wasn't rain or when there wasn't seed, there was no food to grow, therefore no food to eat. But she also lived the longest and she was also the happiest. And that's how my story ended was that I have these three grandmothers who all had three fundamentally different lives. They all had stress. They had gone through the depression and war and colonialism and um, and the abuse of power of colonialism and trauma and deaths and everything they had all fundamentally different earnings. I have one grandmother who's a multimillionaire, one grandmother who never made more than a dollar a day, if that, and one grandmother who was really middle-class, made a little bit of money, worked hard her whole life. So three fundamentally different upbringings. And by the end of the writing exercise, I was only filled with gratitude. And again, I come back to this because gratitude And also fighting the power are the two themes of this podcast. So, so much gratitude for these three women who contributed to my lives in three fundamentally different ways, but who made me who I am. And by not recognizing that, by not knowing those stories, by not knowing that I am the product of those stories, that is part of my narrative medicine, I've been holding back from living my life fully and really stepping into my power and really owning the power that they've handed down through me, through my DNA. And so with that, and just coming back to the fact that our 22 million campaign is all about children, one thing I encourage parents to do is to share stories of your DNA and your upbringing and your ancestry and your religion and And everything with your children, because it's so important that they understand that. So they understand the context of the world that they were brought into. And they'll be able to look at that within the context of the life that they are now living, and it'll help them to understand themselves better. And we all know these stories. There's been movies made about it where, you know, the adult discovers their upbringing and all of a sudden life makes sense and it's a big aha moment and a revelation. Well, it doesn't have to be that way if we can include narrative medicine into everything that we do every single day, and that is storytelling. And so, 22 million campaign, this run and ride from Pemberton, British Columbia to Los Angeles, California, it's all about sharing stories and sharing stories with youth so that part of their stories, part of their upbringing will be about the crazy vegetable lady who rode her bike um, and ran to spread the message that food is medicine. It's about Awakening through face to face discussions, which is ironic because right now we're in isolation and we can't do that. Everything is through video. But once this all lifts, everything I do is about face to face because those are my values as well. That we need that community, we need that connection. And through that, I hope to empower the parents of these children that will learn about this 22 million campaign so that this can become part of their story. Just like That one woman who said to Susanna Meadows when her son had juvenile idiopathic arthritis and said, hey, turn your diet around, get off the dairy, get off the meat, get onto the organic plant-based whole foods. I want to be that whisper in people's ears, in 22 million people's ears, from Pemberton to Whistler, and then eventually from Whistler all the way across Canada, and eventually from Eastern Canada all the way down to Virginia and maybe even Mississippi, it would be nice to go back there. And so that is what this is about. And of course, it's about fighting the power, fighting the abuse of power. Now, the third part about our 22 million campaign, which is so important as well, it's about reminding people, bringing them back to their ancestry, to their roots, to their DNA. And when I say DNA, what I mean by this is that we have been raised to think that we are all unique but we are not unique. Humans are not unique. I am not really any different than you, except for about 500 genes. And what I mean by that is that all humans on the planet are 99.9%. So 99.9% the same. We are not any different. And in fact, out of all of those genes, and that is how similar we are, okay? So we have about 20, or sorry, 3 billion um, base pairs um, of, of, of these little tiny unique bits that are matched up together that make us who we are. And we have about 3 billion base pairs. And out of those, okay, only about 500 are unique. So you and I are not different. Myself and Flavor Flav are not that different. Um, myself and the Caucasian six foot tall male basketball player um, versus myself, the five foot one um, African, Austrian, um, Indian, now Canadian raised woman, we are 99.9% the same. Our, we are so similar. Our DNA is so similar. So at the end of the day, we need to treat our bodies the same way. And what I mean by that, and that's the message that I'm sharing in this 22 million campaign and run and ride is that we all need the same things. We need sugar. And I know people get all, they're all worked up about the fact that we, you know, we shouldn't have sugar, but if you go back to the basic biology, the basic biochemistry, the basic genetics, like I said, that we have, you know, we're um, 99.9% similar and really just that 0.01% different that we do need sugar. Sugar is a building block of our body, but we need it to come from plant-based whole foods. We need protein. And again, that comes from the amino acids in plant based whole foods. We need minerals. So, more than 82 plus minerals, vitamins, nutrients, enzymes, amino acids, um, you know, all of those combined. And we need to get those from our food. But we don't get those things actually from our food. We have to go to the root source of it. And the root source is our soil. And it is critical that this message gets out there. And this is what I stand up for, teaching physicians, teaching youth, and protecting our soil. Because right now, something bigger than this pandemic that we need to um, realize is the fact that we are also victims of food security right now. Okay? And it doesn't need to be that way because we can rise up against those abuses of power. We can fight against those abuses of power also in the farming industry. Just because you're a farmer and you can access chemicals doesn't mean you should use those chemicals on your crops. And I'm not blaming farmers here, but what I'm saying is that it is an abuse of power to think that just because you are somebody who grows food for a population, that it is okay to use pesticides, insecticides, herbicides, and in these toxic chemicals in our soil. It is an abusive power to think that you can disrupt the soil's microbiome because that is ultimately where our nutrients come from. Our nutrients come from the microbiome in the soil that make their way into the food, which eventually makes their way into our mouth which then eventually feeds the bacteria and the microbiome in our body, which then converts the nutrients that we end up taking up into our human cells, our 99.9% similar human cells. So that abuse of power in the farming industry also needs to stop. And this is what this 22 million campaign is about. And I'm so grateful. Again, gratitude comes in. I'm so grateful to the farmers out there who have listened to the whispers before them and from others who have said this already. I'm not the first to say it, but they listened to those whispers. They got curious and they said, What does that person mean when they say glyphosate is toxic and it's a carcinogen in the human body? And these farmers, these organic farmers, these plant-based whole food farmers, these, you know, farmers who like the two farmers, they weren't even farmers before they turned in the farmers into farmers, but from the biggest little farm, it's a beautiful documentary on Netflix. I encourage you to watch it. It's, it is the epitome of everything that we're trying to teach. And what's wonderful is that it shows within a couple years, just two years of hard work, you can convert farmland that is not able to grow anything because the previous farmers have abused their power And they have decimated the microbiome of the soil and left it completely uninhabitable by any species. It won't even take up water and hold water in the soil. It is just a complete, like, cake of desolated mud. And these farmers show in the Biggest Little Farm documentary that they can turn that farm. Around within less than two years to start growing grass and fruits and trees, and um, and vegetables of all different kinds. I think at one point they said they had 175 different varieties of um, plants on their farm, and they did that within a few short years. So that's the third thing that I stand up for, and that is the third reason why I am doing this 22 million run and bike ride. To California, it's to raise awareness through face to face conversations that we can rejuvenate our soil and regenerate our soil, that we can um, work with physicians to empower them in a different way. So we can decimate the abuse of power within the medical system, so we can decimate the abuse of power within the parent child family system when it comes to food. And we can decimate the abuse of power within the farming industry as well. So those are the three reasons why I'm doing the 22 million campaign. Um, And of course, the theme of this podcast, gratitude and fight the power. And so I want to know from you, what is it that you stand up for? It could be one thing. It could be two things. It could be a hundred things. What is it that you stand up for? I want to know. So email us, go onto our Instagram, let us know what you stand for because it's important to vocalize that as well because it empowers you to share your vision and your story and your values and your principles with others. And so share that with the next person. What is the one thing, if you could do anything that you would stand up for. Maybe you're going to go out there and write a hip hop song or a rap song, and you're going to go and you know deliver that. And who knows what will come from that? Maybe you'll be the next public enemy. Maybe you'll be the next Martin Luther King. Maybe you'll be the next Diana Mulvey, who's helping the Whistler Food Bank in raising tens of thousands of dollars for you know helping people who need food during this pandemic. And so you don't need to be someone who's famous and on the you know top ten charts or in a documentary like Spike Lee, who actually hired Public Enemy to write that song for his film Do the Right Thing, uh, back in the late '80s, and. Um, you know, you don't have to be somebody big and famous like that. Maybe you are you know a dad that is you know raising his two daughters by himself and you know you stand up for soil regeneration. so you teach your daughters how to grow food on your patio. That could be something that you stand up for, and that is huge. and that is what we need right now in the world is for everybody. Everybody, everybody, everybody on the planet to think about what they believe in, what they value, and then to stand up for it. And collectively, when we do that, that is when we truly fight the abuse of power. And that is when we can really realize um, and help to realize all of those efforts made by Public Enemy and what they were sharing through their music for the last, it's been 35 years. That they have been together, which is incredible. So I want to know. Write to us. Share that information. I can't wait to hear what it is that you stand for, and also I'd love to know what you are grateful for as well. So please write to us. Put it in the show in the um, comment section on our website, on our Instagram, on our Facebook, and you know what to do with these podcasts. Please share these shows with other people if anything in here resonated with you because collectively we can share our stories and these stories can then turn around and heal the people in our communities, our family members, but ultimately heal the planet. So thanks everyone for being with me here. It is May 5th. We are six weeks, eight weeks in six, seven weeks into the COVID pandemic. And I hope you are all faring well. If you have a chronic health issue, if you have a mental health illness, please definitely reach out to me, write to me. Um, I will answer you back. We don't have any staff working for us right now. So I might be a little bit delayed in getting back to you, but I will get back to you. And for anybody who wants to you know, pick up that whisper that food is medicine. You can sign up for our Eat Real to Heal course. It's normally $5.95, but we're offering it for $97. It's a five-week challenge that is meant to teach you the lifestyle and the habits all around using food as medicine to reverse disease. And then from there, you can continue this as a lifestyle forever. Um, Because at the end of the day... Food is medicine, medicine is food, and when you are healthy, you are standing in your power. So thanks everyone for being here with me. Have an amazing day. Make this day amazing. And so much gratitude to all of the listeners out there. Gratitude to Mary Lynn, gratitude to Becky, and to everyone out there who is doing their part to stand up for your principles and your values and what you believe in. Bye.